this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at the DMOUnion.com or the DigMeOutUnion.com. One of those two websites will get you there. You can also go to DigMeOutPodcast.com and wind your way through our labyrinth of clicks and bleeps Wait, and loops. Did you did you say the? There's no the in there. Well, like I was emphasizing like the <laughs> Ohio State University. Don't, don't, don't emphasize. I put the emphasis in the wrong place. Okay, it's just dmounion.com or there you go. Considering the album we're talking about, I make sure I gotta get I gotta get this right because we're talking about one of the most when you look at their streaming numbers, one of the most popular albums released in the 1990s. To give you perspective, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, we walk. Yes, based from where? Based on Spotify. If you go to Spotify. This album collectively probably has over 200 million streams. Now I'm, I'm blowing my, your mind, my, Jay. My, I'm blowing your mind. You're blowing my mind too. Mound, your mound, your mound. Uh, the mound on top of your shoulders, which is your head, <laughs> and contains your mind. Hey, I know I have a big head. You know, it's called a mound. It's like Mount Rushmore up there, but all four of them in one. <laughs> anyway, I, you have to explain this. I don't understand. I will, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it by introducing the record. It was suggested by Jim Stelter. He has suggested many records over the year. Last year it was Bedhead. The year before that, in 2021, he suggested the Wellwater Conspiracy. Back in 2020, it was Firewater's The Ponzi Scheme. And I think that's it. I think that's, I think those four. So this is his fifth pick and it is the 1998 album Stratosphere by the band Duster. Now, Jay, I mentioned that this album on Spotify has well over 200 million streams. Specifically, if you go to um, the song, which one is it? Uh, it's the song Inside Out has 163 million streams, 163.7 million. The rest of the record, uh, only one song has less than a million streams. Every other song has multiple millions of streams. And I'm going to explain why. But let me I, ask I am you, on the edge of my seat here. I had can't. you ever heard this album or of this band? No, I'm already on to like, is like one of the guys in the band, like a computer genius. And so one of the guys in the band is a guy you might've heard of. His name is Barack Obama. And before he was, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I was going to go more of the angle. Like he figured out how to uh, get false plays. Like, nope. Wind up uh, um, a thousand computers somewhere. And I, data data farm and he's got them all streaming this record so let me give you the information here let's start with the history history of the band 
they're from San Jose, California. They formed in 1996. Multi instrumentalists Clay Parton, Kanan Dove Amber, or Dove Amber, and Jason Albertini. That's been most of the band. And then Albertini left the band in 2022, just last year. Um, and they uh, put out their debut record in 98, which is this one, Stratosphere. They did put out some like cassettes and a seven inch. Um, but this is the first full length. And then they put out an EP the following year called 1975. And then in 2000, they released the album Contemporary Movements. Now, that was kind of it. They kind of just went off and did different things after that. They didn't, the band didn't do anything. And then in 2018, sure. they, on their Instagram page, they said they're doing some recording. And they uh, would be releasing a box set called Capsule Losing Contact through the Numero Group, which is a reissue label that's done a, a ton of reissues for different artists. And that was released in 2019. Everything so far is very typical. It is very typical. Then they they self or yeah they sell, they released a self titled album um, in on December 13th 2019. Um. He said, uh, so the lead singer, uh, not lead, yeah, I guess not lead singer, because I think there's different singers. Uh, but Clay Parton said, we took a break for almost two decades. We didn't think it was going to completely stop. We thought we would keep it drifting, at least maybe at a slower pace with a different process. But everything just went dark. We were always in touch. And sometimes we talk about doing duster things. But the days just piled up. Um, so they weren't together. However... They put out that album in 2018, the self-titled, and then they released together their fourth album in March last year. So you're asking yourself, Tim, why does this have 160 million, 200 million? Streams? Did one of them date Taylor Swift? No. So this is a <laughs> very I'm, I'm, organic. I'm grasping at anything here. All right. This is a very organic thing that happened. Basically, a bunch of young artists in the 2000s who listened to similar bands all sort of arrived at this band at different times and it became like this underground thing that people passed around in the indie underground slowcore circuit and it and because their records were hard to find it became you know this thing where like the record started out there were a couple bucks now they're a hundred dollars. Now they're like five hundred dollars. People are like going crazy. They can't find this band. They can't find this album. Um, so it almost had like a, I want to say like a, um, like a neutral milk hotel type deal. Like they put out a record and then just disappear. They didn't exactly disappear, but you know what I mean. Like there was this indie rock record that all of a sudden years later connected with a lot of people. So a lot of bands um that i don't know <laughs> but if you read a 2018 stereo gum article called the low-key legacy of duster your favorite indie band's favorite indie band it kind of gives you a really good exclamation explanation of why this band became big in the underground it never really you know broke through to the mainstream but like everybody who basically everybody who's creating indie bands in the 2000s heard this band and were influenced by them. 
all the all the slow car artists, all the uh, indie rock oh. artists, space rock, um, a lot of you know uh, bands uh, such as which I don't know any of these bands, but bands like Click, Wild Pink, Howdy, Of Love, Us and Only, uh, Us and uh, Us Only, Pair. These are all like indie bands that have toured for years in the underground circuit that we're not a part of anymore because we're old and we're out of the loop. And they have been playing this record. Like one of the bands uses the, the one of their songs as an opener for their set. Like that kind of stuff. And huh. it has, and they've been featured in a number of like, you know, podcasts and, and, articles like when they want to mention on on stereo gum if you go to their rate your rate your music page they have thousands of reviews like most bands have a couple hundred yeah maybe dozens this band has a massive amount of reviews now what's funny is the latest one was today i looked when i looked and it was a negative review it was like a, a half a star review out of five so it was somebody who had been obviously heard of this hype and then came came away unimpressed yeah, it feels like there's a a missing piece still some some somewhere somebody's hyping this to cause this to happen i mean there's so many bands that could fall into the story that you've explained so far mm-hmm. that would still be hard to get to that many streams like couldn't you insert like a band like american football into that story Sure, you could and absolutely they don't even come anywhere close to that many. Um, I th- I think social media has played a part. Um, from what I understand, like the song gets played on, you know how you can put music on Instagram posts and TikTok posts and things like that in the background. A yeah. lot of people use like these instrumental pieces that are on this record. That's what I was wondering if like some of these songs are getting. I think so. Placed in some viral TikTok, TikTok videos or something. And huh. there's there's really there's no logical reason. This is just an oddball. So it's sort of like but um, give me some context of like when you say that many streams, what, what other bands are near them? 160 million. Yeah, like, like where what who's in that category? If we're talking about let's say Nirvana, that's one of the biggest bands we've talked about, right? Yeah. So, like, in comparison, Smells Like Teen Spirit has 1.7 billion streams. Okay. So this would be like a low-end second or third single Nirvana single. Like, All Apologies has 192 million streams. They have two songs over a billion streams on Spotify. Come As You Are is also over a billion. Yeah, it's up there. It's, it doesn't make sense. I agree uh, with you that a band this obscure you know let, look at the pixies let's let's take a listen to the pixies what are the you know you would think like oh right, the pixies right, right. they must have a fart load of streams yeah where is my mind which was in fight club and in numerous yep. other things has 757 million streams the next closest is here comes your man with 191 so there you go. I mean, that's so if you're asking for a logical reason, I don't have one other than <laughs> this has I mean, been 
I want to believe around. this story because right. this is like no, I, I you know I, I would some ways it's tragic the, in that it takes this long, but like you yeah. would like to think that this is possible. You would like it to happen like an over the course of maybe five years and not thirty, but and there's another uh, there's other bands like American Pleasure Club, Girl Pool, uh, some of the other ones that that were mentioned. Again, I don't know any of these bands because yeah. I'm out of the loop. But these are bands that are Ricky Eat Acid. Um, is it another one? And what else was there? Uh, Tividad, Harmony Tividad. Oh, no, that's the person who's in Girl Pool. Excuse me. Sorry, Harmony. Um, so, no, I don't have a, I don't have good understanding of this other than it seems to have been organic. Yeah. I hope they made some money. I hope they made a few grand. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because between this and then I got to assume like other streaming services, they probably have some streams. Maybe on YouTube as well. Hopefully on the social medias, they get a little couple pennies from each of those. I believe it, it probably hinges on like how they're distributed, what the label situation is. Well, they have they, the, can... they own it because... Okay. They were on Up Records, and that doesn't exist anymore yeah. because the guy who ran Up died in like 2000. So shortly after they put out the the second record, he had passed away. So I think they have they have their own like Bandcamp page with the record on it. So okay. I I think they're doing that puts them that puts them in a good position. I I meant more for the streaming because when you you know you get yeah. half a penny per stream if you're dividing that down between like record labels distributors and all the other entities between you and the stream you're getting even less of that so jim said when he suggested this record let's see he said they they have a long-standing cult following after going dormant in 2001 they reformed in 2018 which we talked about and um put out new albums and, and started selling out shows um this is the 25th anniversary of stratosphere he said it has more of a feeling and atmosphere than the standard verse, chorus, verse, rock song, though there are some of those tucked in there. Let the distorted melodies comfort you while spinning ever so gently into orbit. Over at Patreon, we'll share the poll results at the end of the show, but here's what the, some of the comments were from our patron supporters, Patreon supporters. Gavin said, I'd never heard of this band, and the name had me thinking middle-of-the-row rock band like Candlebox or Grunt Truck. I very quickly developed a love-hate relationship with it, as I really didn't like the intro-style song at the beginning, but then I warmed to its laid-back ambient style and had it on for a while. But it never really went anywhere from there, so I'm left at an EP of any five songs except the first. Interesting choice, though. Winnie Beeler. It's not like this is an album full of singles or anything. Each song sounds an awful like all the others, but this really brings atmosphere and sets a mood. It's not like most of the music I listened to, but it worked. Where the album? Ian McIver. It's like someone put a My Bloody Valentine LP on at a slower speed on the turntable. Not that it's a bad thing, like my comment would indicate while I enjoyed some songs. There are full, few lulls that made me tune out. There's a bit of fat that can be trimmed, but there is a short, worthy album underneath it all. However, not enough 
of one to warrant further investigation of discography at present time. Uh, Jeff Gentis, for a very recent episode of podcast name redacted, these dudes are enjoying some bizarre resurgence or bizarre surgence, not even a resurgence among the youth and their Spotify numbers are ridiculous. So this was a very timely pick. I only had time for a couple listens, but it sure sounds promising. And then Patrick Testa said, this is a cool album. I absolutely loved the short first track and wish there was more on this record. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, so maybe there is. Well, I hope you got to uh, listen to the whole thing there, uh, Mr. Testa. Uh, speaking of the album cover, like Gavin did, when I saw this, I thought, okay, this is either like a very minimalist, um, ambient, uh, Brian Eno-esque album, or this is like Death Cab for Cutie. Like this reminds me of like an early Death Cab for Cutie <laughs> record cover with that, like you're, you're muted by the way, uh, with that lowercase, um, yeah. uh, sans serif, uh, or is yeah, yeah sans serif font. Yeah. Uh, it has, it has the look of something very specific. And I, I think it did actually meet that. What, what yeah, are your opinions yeah. on the, on the album cover? Uh, I agree. You know, it's, it's abstract, so you're going to get something that's a little on the artier side. Um, I the color palette, yeah, it reminds me of, uh, you know, maybe something like you're going to get something emotional, maybe midwestern. Uh, so I guess it was a little bit of a surpriser from you said California. Yeah, San Jose, yeah, home of sleep and Smash Mouth. <laughs> That's quite a spectrum there. There you go. You got sleep, smash well, mouth. And they're duster. both they're both very colorful. When they when there's a, a when there's a, a San Jose music festival and they have all the hometown bands play, you get to see sleep, smash mouth, and duster in a row. Let's uh, let's get into the record. Um, I do want to mention that all music. There's I I really don't like this trend, but all music originally gave this album three stars and then re re reviewed it and gave it five stars. Please stop all music. It's if you're going to do that, then don't a rolling like, you stone. Can't just have like, um, you got to do like an average, right? If you're going to keep yeah. having different people review it over the years, then you need to have like an average of all those reviews. That's why um, I think, I know it has its flaws, but Metacritic when it comes to music right. actually right. is pretty useful that way. Right. Because you're getting an aggregate of all the reviews as opposed to one apparently malleable review but jay this is the first time i mean we've never really you know reviewed an album that's in the zeitgeist of of, <laughs> of the of the american indie music uh we could yeah. see record number of downloads of this podcast we're gonna maybe make a lot of people upset uh, uh well, we've talked about here. slow core bands before like we you know jim uh, yeah. brought us bedhead well, last year we've talked about you know bands like antenna and ida and low i think that i, I, I actually said to katie my wife uh that uh i was like oh this, you know this band's kind of like low and she was like give me a low song and i was like i can't give you a low song i don't know any i just right. know like what they sound like but if you ask me well, for a low song i wouldn't be able all to the ones you. we've reviewed <laughs> I thought are pretty obscure in the grand scheme of things, but like you just handed me a whole other list that's below them mm -hmm. in terms of level a level of notoriety. So well, it's weird because Low was like on major labels. 
Right. In the so this is like this is like third level, like right. the band that influenced the band that influenced the band that influenced Low. Yes. Um, now this this record was produced by Phil Eck, who um, worked with Built to Spill on some records. He's also worked with Band of Horses. Fleet Foxes, Modest Mouse, The Shins, Mud Honey. So, you know, Pacific Northwest bands, basically. He doesn't want to leave home. He's not interested in traveling. That's okay, Phil. We appreciate and uh, your work. So let's get into it, Ray, uh, Jay. I almost called you Ray. I don't know why that happened. Okay, Ram. <laughs> Jay, tell me one thing you liked about stratosphere by duster or would you prefer to be kim uh yim dim yes yimothy yimothy go ahead well there's a charm here i I think there's you know there's a a warmth to it i think there's a an intimacy to it that's that works pretty well it's built around these methodical tempos i wouldn't say they're slow all the time no. I was a little surprised to hear it described as slow core because it's not always slow, uh, mm-hmm. but it is methodical. There's like this interesting, like it's almost like a metronome, but then they push and pull with it a bit here and there. So it's not like heading for the door, Queen of Hearts. There is some organic feel going on there where they start to then mess with you a little bit where you know, some, uh, I think it's heading for the door, that second verse, it kind of slow, dramatically slows down or like you hear the whole band kind of shift. just has this push and pull throughout it where everything's very locked up and methodical but it's also like i'm not sure it's set to a metronome so you can kind of feel it moving uh there's a lot of interplay between what i'm hearing is like two guitars and then a bass that sometimes sounds like a guitar which means more picking than chords there are some chords on here but i think the parts that are most interesting to me are more when they're picking out notes and creating this kind of bed of two guitar parts and one is kind of chiming through. I also like when they use the synth pad underneath and that really gives it kind of elevates a lot of the guitar work. I guess the production is lo-fi, sometimes more dramatic than others. It varies how dramatic with lo-fi it is, uh, which is a bit of a head scratcher that we'll get to later, but 
there's certainly some songs on here that sound like they came right off a of four track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that makes it distinctive is some of the chord changes and choices there. I found myself like, you know, thinking I knew where it was going to go. And then they would throw in a little change that was nice and unexpected. Um, I think in general music, that's or at least rock music. That's, you know, something we're always striving, looking for is like, you want some predictability, but then you want some surprises. And I think they do that in their own unique way. And, you know, I think it just works as an instrumental record, honestly. Uh, it it kind of creates this environment where at times you feel like you're in the bedroom, sort of with this band rehearsing. Uh, and then other times you feel like you're kind of sucked into the four track machine <laughs> with headphones on and hearing all the tape hiss and everything. So uh, I think it's pretty successful and that's kind of where the charm comes from. I think working within, you know, a fairly simple palette using some effects from like maybe a keyboard and guitar effects and some like simple like distortions and things, keeping everything in this intimate feel, warm, nothing's ever very, nothing's very bright or, you know, ringing. It sort of all has this like, like all the highs are kind of trimmed off. It's a little bit soft uh, overall sonically too, which I think adds to the uniqueness of it. So that's some of the stuff that worked for me. What worked for you? Well, as a fan of sort of noisy, ambient, experimental music, I found a lot of this record interesting. Um, I'll start with a song like Stratosphere, which reminded me a lot of William Bazinski's Disintegration Loops albums, which were four albums he put out between 2002 and 2003. And they're like one song per album. And he uh, ran a tape loop and recorded it as the tape was disintegrating. So you hear this loop of like noise and then it's getting cracklier and cracklier and breaking down. So that's what you have on like some of these songs. You have like a song um, like Stratosphere where it's noisy and it feels like the song is like falling apart as you're moving through it, which I like. I like that that atmosphere it's providing on, on Stratosphere. And then in, in comparison, a song like Earth Moon Transit, which I think when you mentioned this not being entirely slowcore, that's what I was thinking of. Like that song has a very shoegaze, early 90s feel, you know, early ride or or My Bloody Valentine or, or something like that, where there's just 
it's just a wash and distortion and noise. And that's where the record actually works best for me when it's when it gets a little gnarly and loud and uncompromising of 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 worrying about, you know, quiet and stuff like that. It's just kind of going in off in these loud, noisy directions. And I did like <laughs> I disagree with uh, with Gavin. I did like the opening track because I, I think I tended more just towards the. The weirder instrumental stuff, because you know, having done this podcast now for 12 years and having listened to a lot of slow core and whatnot, it's not as novel anymore as it was when we started getting into, because I'd never listened to any really slow core music whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I, I was aware of bands like Galaxy 500 and, and Low and, you know, these, uh, this underground scene that existed. But now we've gone through like probably, you know, seven eight nine of those records on the podcast a lot of them in the last couple years and um so in comparison to that some of these songs work really well like you mentioned queen of hearts um i also liked some of the instrumental stuff like docking i like when it's a band instrumental that sounds like a band just like jamming like on docking the pod um that one works for me uh gold dust another band instrumental better for me than the stuff with the vocals uh just because i you know the vocal isn't present i mean it's very buried on a lot of these songs so it almost becomes like just another noise in a lot of respects so i think that's when it works better as opposed to me being actually hear what he's singing because then i'm like paying attention to what he's doing as opposed to sort of letting the music wash over me in this, you know, wall of not really a wall. It's a more like a half wall of, of noise. Uh, it's not, it's not quite the uh, total wall of noise. So that's some of the stuff that worked for me. Um, I'm still confounded that inside out is the song that has 163 million uh, streams. Right. Because I mean, I don't know that there's anything to that song. Like, I don't get what's going on that would make, yeah, require someone to listen to it that many times. I couldn't even make out what the lyrics were about. I mean, it's like a little bit of poetry, I guess, but I don't even know what he's talking about. So, well, to me, it's not even like maybe there's something, there's a message in these lyrics that's incredibly insightful or something. And, right. uh, Yeah, I didn't find it. I mean, there's 17 songs on that on this record, and I put, wouldn't put this that song in the top 10. Right. Um, so I'm confused as to 
why that is the way it is. Um, what did not work for you on this record? You hit on it. The vocal to me is just, it's just not compelling. I don't know why it's necessary other than delivering lyrics. Um, right. But it, even then it's delivered in such a weak afterthought uh, as a week. Like even melodically, it's just doing what the guitar does uh, most of the time. It's mixed low most of the time. There, there's one track where it actually makes loud which is odd like they flip the mix um there's a track about halfway through the record where they they go from the band being sort of you know mixed wide in the vocal in the middle buried they flip it and the vocal is mixed wide and the band's mixed in the middle buried um which was an odd choice (laughs) uh so there's there's one instance where the vocals definitely pop but overall they're just there's nothing from like a tone delivery standpoint that's compelling melodically. It's not compelling or doing anything different than the guitar. I found myself just paying attention to the instrumental uh, stuff. Even the songs that were instrumental, I didn't miss the vocal. One of the songs, I think it's queen of hearts. The vocal comes in at the end, is it? Or maybe it's, but when it comes in, it just mimics what the guitar was doing. It's like, Oh, it's an earth moon transit. Mm-hmm. which has this cool guitar lead that's kind of the hook of the song that draws you, you know, starts the song off and it, it reprises throughout. And then when it's, they get to the outro, you, that that lead is then they add a vocal on top of it that's just singing the same melody as the guitar part. And I'm like, what is that? Well, why are we doing this? Like, why is that necessary? <laughs> one of the things I struggled I don't understand the production of the record um this going between and you'd let me know if you were hearing it the same way I mean there there's just this mismatch of like some songs are super lo-fi and some songs are medium lo-fi and then some songs sound like clean and mm-hmm. normal and they don't get why what is determining what songs sound lo-fi and which ones don't. Uh, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the style of the song. Or So I'm left with some of these songs that are lo-fi and instrumentals. They come off to me as demos. Like, oh, this just sounds like a band rehearsing and somebody hit the record on the tape player. Like, it doesn't present as a song on a record. Um, yeah. And, and and part of that is the song, but part of it is also the production choice. It's like 
if you give me a song that sounds full and like you know like a rec studio recording and then and then you flip to another song that is similar in sort of writing style but then sounds like it was recorded on a four track like my brain starts interpreting that as like oh this is just a demo um so well, it, i don't quite get what the what they were thinking there it reminds me of some of the mid 90s guided by voices records in that sense where you would get a song or two that sounded actually pretty well recorded yeah. not on a not on a, a four track or a boom box and then you would get ones that were just covered in tape hiss and it wouldn't be the whole record but it would just be from track to track you wouldn't know like what you're going to get and I agree with you because like a song like Topical Solution actually is a very clean production on that song. Yeah. It's a very nice sounding song. Uh, the lyrics are completely incomprehensible. You just kind of hear somebody singing, but you don't, you can't, it's impossible to make out what they're actually saying. But I, I agree with you. Like the song is, it sounds really good. And then you go to Docking the Docking Pod the next pod. and yeah. it has a yeah. much fuzzier lo-fi quality to it that's not as it's not as pleasant to listen to yeah as as a song like topical solution guess i would have rather because it, to me it, it takes me out of the headspace of what they're trying to what kind of world are you trying to take me into here right. um am i in the bedroom with you while you rehearse am i listening to the four track that you recorded things on am i in a like bright you know practice space with you am i in a theater like where am i listening to this record and it's incoherent that way. Like it's just this roller coaster ride and changing for no obvious reason uh, that way, which just brings me out of the record, right? I just, as I'm getting compelled and sucked into it, then I'm out again. Cause I'm like, well, this is different. Where, what's going on now? So it's just sonically a little incoherent to me. Right. I think it, I, I, any of these styles would be fine. I don't mind the low style, lo-fi sound on the record. I would just prefer like just make the whole record like that or, or or make it in the middle or make it clean like just pick one it's um, the it's the equivalent of when you're listening to a song and then all of a sudden on the next song the, the drums are panned hard and you're like wait a minute why did you just pan yeah. the drums hard to the left right. or to the right? <laughs> right and the bass is on the other side and now we're going back to the to standard on the next song yeah. like no you can't do that it changed yeah. it completely changes the listening um yeah. approach when you are listening for that style of 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 a mix and i agree with you like this is all over the place 
which I can understand if you are looking for music that is as far away from the mainstream as possible, that this would click for you because not only is it a style of music that is very, I'm not going to say unpopular, but just it's not accepted by the masses as, you know, music that is typically listened to. Um, but you're throwing, you just throwing a lot of curveballs within this sound that even though I'm primed for it, I'm still struggling with a lot of the record because of that. Cause it's yeah. so like, there's aspects of this too, that, that is kind of space rock and there's, you know, I think space in the lyrics here and there. And, and they're yeah. definitely in like the, Song so tales, if yeah. you were like, okay, we're going to make a slow core space rock album. that's going to be real trippy and stuff. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm all for that. I want to, cause you know, you think about a, a louder band that's a space rock band like failure. They have some incredibly slow songs yeah. and spacey atmospheric songs. They're incredibly well-produced because of Ken Andrews. Yeah. But point being, you can, you can do that sound, that slow sound um, at any fidelity and make it sound good, but it's just got to be like a consistency there. And I'm not, I think we're looking at this, you know, as reviewers, obviously I can understand someone who's in a band and they're 19 years old and they're just trying to find something that like to connect with that isn't mainstream that they might hear this. And this might be the equivalent of listening to the first pavement record or, you know, something way outside the mainstream yeah. for the time. Or imagine discovering this 10, 15 years after it came out and you're, and you, and you go on the internet and there's no reviews for this record, except for one review in pitchfork. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nobody's been talking about this record and you go, Oh, this is my little thing. Now. I, I guess that that would be a, an appeal. Sure. Um, the the last thing I want yeah. to mention, I'm wondering if you thought too, it's easy. It's, I don't mean this is like a offhand kind of comment, but it is very similar uh, to the point where I was a being constellations and the queen of hearts mm-hmm. and my brain going back and forth between the songs could not tell the difference. I was like, this sounds like the same song in a different key. Like, and I don't mean that like, that's like a common criticism you hear, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this album all sounds the same. I mean, like, literally, like, I'm going note by note between the, a beam between the two songs. And I'm like, wait, it's like, that sounds like exactly the same thing played. Now, the production, it's one of those, one, Constellations, Lo-Fi, and Queen of Hearts is higher fidelity. Man, they're very similar. Uh did you find that a challenge? Yeah, there were very few thing? points where I thought this is original. Yeah, where I heard a riff, where progression, and thought I've never heard that before. That's cool. Yeah. Um. So when you mention like those songs or like the picking that's happening on Topical Solution. I go, I feel like I've heard these before. Like they don't yeah. sound all that, ter- excuse me, <clears throat> terribly new. Uh, like, so docking the pod, that one had like a weird minor-ish 
riff that I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. This is different. I'm I'm digging this. The the wah wah and the what would be the chorus too is a little different. Yeah. So there were th- there's throwing some things here, but like you can only you know pick an A minor chord at 60 beats per minute so many times yep. and so many songs where it just kind of sounds like this you've heard this before uh, now some of that stuff might have come after and now i'm just you know comparing it to something that existed before like the william Bazinski albums came out after this so they he they clearly weren't like listening to william Bazinski and going okay we want to make a song that sounds like him because it didn't happen yet it just so happens that it sounds like what was happening i'm sure there were other people playing with manipulating tape and creating you know ambient electronic experimental music like that um so some of that those guitar progressions and what have you they might have started here and people stole from them i don't know but they just they aren't as they're not as uh, as original as I would have liked. I could You're I could hear the progressions and I go, okay, I know what the chords are. Yeah. Um, You're touching on something I I had in my notes too. Where it, you this is where something like counter melodies can be so important mm-hmm. because. You can take, yeah, a chord progression you've heard before. Maybe there's a couple little changes that are different. But it, once you take, a, put a counter melody on top of it, or, you know, some kind of conflicting or complementing melody, now it becomes much more complex and unique, either with a vocal or another guitar part or keyboard or even the bass line. You know, the bass can do that sometimes really effectively they don't really do that on this record pretty much everybody's playing the same thing i mean there's some lead parts here and there mm-hmm. but from a chord melody standpoint it's all following the same like go back to that kind of methodical like feel um and i'm wondering if that also contributes to what you're saying where it's like well this i feel like i've heard this before because it's so simple i guess in that way it doesn't have the layering or the counter melodies that i'm thinking yeah. of or some other mel- element to to make it absolutely unique like can't be confused with somebody else so i feel like if i were talking to someone who was a champion of this record and said you know what this i i just feel like it's missing some counter melodies i feel like they would scoff at that as if <laughs> that's making it too much Right, they're and going for the simplicity minimal. is what works yeah. well for yeah. them. Um, you know, it's funny. You know, I do like a little bit of complexity with music. I don't need everything to be rush, but I feel like this album has less notes than the average Mars Volta song. Like, there's there even the song to song is a lot of the same territory, a lot of the same keys. It feels like the same area on the guitar, you know, where they're playing. It yeah. doesn't feel like they're, they're, there's not a lot of variation, even in the limited amount of what they're doing. And that was a little frustrating from a sonic standpoint, because it, 
on one hand, it's a good record to put on because you can just sort of like drift away and not pay attention to it. And it all yeah. kind of melds together and you don't really miss anything, but also it's hard to find any docking station to for the pod, so to speak, and go, okay, this is the song right here. This is a song you got to hear. Right. Um, I feel like you, you basically, if you press play and hit random, you could land up on any song and be like, yep, that's on this record. I, I, I sort of remember it, but yeah. couldn't tell you if it's at the beginning or the end or if they're singing on it or not. <laughs> Maybe there is, and I just can't hear it. Maybe there isn't. Who knows? Mm. So, so that's where I'm at. And that's where you're at. Uh, where we're at. It's a, it's a fascinating story, though, because like I said, this album was basically ignored when it came out. Barely got any reviews. And then <laughs> 25 years later, we're talking about it and it's got 200 million streams on Spotify. Right. Like that just doesn't make any sense. Even, even at what you said, like we're not talking, you know, this isn't somebody who had some sort of moment in the spotlight where they ended up on the voice or something, you know, right. th- this is because a bunch of indie underground bands championed them on like message boards and person to person and who knew indie underground bands had any power at all yeah i thought i thought indie <laughs> rock was dead but it was like the yeah the least powerful uh force in the world apparently the indie rock mafia has got more pull than we understand so but well i mean in that way it's a good story Right. Yeah, I mean, we, want, we want more uh, more stories like this, and it'd be nice if like some of these streams could get distributed to some other bands too. But we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, give uh, give Low a chance. I looked. I don't think Low's entire catalog has 161 million streams. <laughs> so maybe check out some Low. Uh, yeah. Check out some Antenna, which we enjoy. Check out some Bedhead. Um, I'd say even check out like Sparkle Horse or, oh, yeah. or you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that was, that's one of the things and we'll get into our final rating here. You know, Mark Linkus had such personality, even though he was very droll yeah. with a lot of his stuff, but there was such unique arrangements and sounds. And I feel like, People who li- who like this who maybe haven't heard that band should check out Sparkle Horse because it might blow you away. Sure. Uh, so let's give our final ratings, Jay. Uh, were the album better EP or decent single? I'm gonna go with an EP. Uh, heading to the, for the door, Gold Dust, the Queen of Hearts. I'll throw Inside Out on there. I mean, I'll buy the hype. Read to read to Hillsboro. And Earth Moon Transit would be my EP. Uh, I, I don't know that including much more gets me anywhere beyond like understanding who this band is, hearing them at their best. I think a handful of songs like that do the job uh, pretty well. Where'd you land? 
Well, we're I have a couple of the same, but I'm basically in an, an EP as well. I, I really like the instrumental stuff. So I'm going with um, basically all the instrumental songs as a nice little uh, EP I can put on when I want to nap, just loop it. I'm going with Moon Age, Gold Dust, Docking the Pod, Echo Bravo, the Queen of Hearts, Stratosphere, and Earth Moon Transit. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the 17 songs make it onto my EP. Um, now, if you wanted to take those singing songs and put them on their own album of 10 tracks, maybe add a counter melody here and there. <laughs> um, then uh, maybe you got a different record. But for me, it's an EP like you. It's an EP. Uh, our patrons didn't agree. They went 75% worthy album, 25% better EP. Really? Yeah. I didn't think the comments were going to be leading us that way. I thought huh. it might be 50-50 based on what you know Whitney and yeah Patrick said. But uh, yeah, 75-25. That's, well, uh, that's a, a nice result. So even though you know we have our opinions uh, and our patrons have their opinions, we don't always align. And like we don't align with uh, a lot of people on a lot of things. Uh, we're just you know. two dudes. We like what we like. We try to explain it. But right. You try to. It's, it's nice to have the uh, sort of a, a broader voice of other other folks to chime in too and balance us out what i'm saying is if any uh, of the super fans of duster show up and are angered please do not try <laughs> to cancel us we're just uh you know a couple of old guys listening to old music that's it uh but we need to thank jim stelter for bringing this record to us his fifth album that he has brought to us over the last five years. Greatly appreciate you being part of the union. Yes. Thank you, Jim. Um, if you out there would like to be like Jim, you can join us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. We might not have agreed with you on this record, but there are over 600 other album reviews <laughs> that we might align. So don't just take this one and think we're a couple of idiots. That don't know what they're talking about we might agree with you on 20 other records and it might be 20 to one so who's the idiot now <laughs> i don't know who wait maybe there's no idiot in this situation. is that rhetorical maybe we were all the idiots all along uh, maybe the idiots not... are the friends we made along the way it sounds like you're uh, writing a roger walters or water song i heard that he was giving a concert and he interrupted it to do an hour long reading from his book. I don't think that's a good Is it idea. Called, Who's the idiot now? Yeah. I basically like, what the, f what are you doing? Roger? I know you're very full of yourself and you have a big ego, but man, if you're in the middle of a rock concert and then you sit down and start reading your own book, like you, you better break out, like harry potter or something if you want to keep people entertained they're seeing you you don't need to read from your their book the book that you wrote imagine like you've been to concerts recently you know what they cost yeah imagine paying that ticket price and then having to sit through that yeah yeah <laughs> imagine sitting in the sphere watching you two in las vegas and bono sits down with a copy of 
right. of, of the Bono. <laughs> it's autobiography. He's like, hey, let me tell you about young Paul Hewson. <laughs> they, t- they turn the screen off. Yeah. Yeah. Put the house it's lights on. One spotlight on him. Yeah. It was a cold day in Ireland. Uh, no, you know, break out the Martian or something. Read something entertaining. <laughs> Give me a live reading of the Martian. <laughs> give some Andy Weir some some love uh if you would like to join the union where we have in in insane tangent driven uh conversations like this over at our discord you can be a part of uh you can join us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com it's where you get to vote on polls like this one vote in our monthly tournament of death albums suggested through digmeoutpodcast.com they enter into the tournament uh, like 18 at a time, two rounds of nine, and then four go to the final, unless there's a tie, sometimes it's five. And then we vote, uh, or they're, the patrons vote, and we review the record that they have picked from these suggestions. It's also at Patreon where you can read the box newsletter, which you can sign up for at digmeoutpodcast.com as well. The box newsletter, our Substack newsletter comes out every weekend. with a release calendar of new music, books, movies etc for 80s 90s and aughts artists and bands plus two one minute reviews of new releases just recently i reviewed uh the new records from these uh closely aligned bands wilco and hurricane hurricane featuring the two brothers of guys who had uh brothers in quiet riot right and Wilco, of course, uh, the less successful half of Uncle Tupelo. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I love Jay, but I, I wish he, I wish he had uh, not made some of the records he made in the two thousands. He went like full on like honky tonk on a record. And, oh, really? Yeah. Which it's one? A, it's called Honky Tonk. Really? <laughs> no, it's it's okay. It's just like, yeah. There's there's some clunkers. I mean, Wilco has some clunkers too, but their clunkers are at least weird, right? So, but I love them both. I don't. Let's let's just just move on. I don't want to say anything that might impact my relationship with Jeff or Jay. (laughs) Right. I don't need a Thurman Thomas this situation. Right. Uh, Right. So the box newsletter. Sign up for it, and then lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave positive feedback for the show, uh, regardless of your feelings about this specific episode on Duster, you can have general feelings overall uh, for how much you enjoy the podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so worried. It's probably not going to do anything. We're, pro- we're probably not going to get any sort of bump from, the- we're not going to get any Duster bump. Duster this, bump. this won't be like Van Halen. Like we, the Van Halen episode, far and away right. is like the most right, listened right. to episode of this podcast uh probably helped us get garner at least like one tenth of our million downloads uh so i don't know man maybe we'll see will, you know in the next 30 years will be our biggest episode do we get paid for downloads when people do, do... no we don't we don't <sighs> we, we make it even less than spotify I was going to say musicians are screwed and we're not even smart enough to get screwed. 
Uh, Wait, I would like to be screwed too. Nope, not for you, podcaster. Go, go start a Patreon. Yeah. Uh, okay. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Beyond. Beyond.